Welcome to the King's Land. This is episode two. Sex belongs to the king. I'm Christopher Brenio, and I serve as pastor of Ascension Presbyterian Church in Longwood, Florida. This episode may not be suitable for the youngest members of your household. Episode three will be even more sensitive to younger ears. Culturally, sexuality and gender are at the forefront of the rebellion against God. And contrary to the prevailing wisdom, sex belongs to the king. In Genesis, you learned that God created man, male and female. It was not good for Adam to be alone. He created Eve as a fellow image bearer and the companion that Adam lacked. It was a gracious gift of God, both for Adam and for Eve. And this creational act established both sexuality and the family. Sex outside of this covenantal union, established and blessed by God, is wholly, entirely illegitimate. Whatever fleshly urges that are temporarily satisfied in these pursuits can never be sanctioned by God, nor could they ever be considered lawful. God's design for sex is not private and personal, but familial and covenantal. It is corporate in nature. The one flesh bodily union between husband and wife in the presence of God is his design. He created it for his glory, and the brightness of that glory is multifaceted. He intends it for the benefit of his creatures. He wants men and women to experience the joys of sexual intimacy. He wants them to be bound together as husband and wife and to experience the fullness of that pleasure and in doing so to fortify the marriage covenant. This is an exclusive relationship. You must reject the world's ideas about sex. When Christians here seed ground personally in their marriages, in the churches, even in the laws of the land, the beautiful is supplanted by the grotesque. You must, along with those in your charge, reject the false notion that you have a private sexual identity. And many think that One of the things you do as you mature and grow in preparation of marriage is that you experiment, you explore, and try to find your own personal sexual fulfillment. But any notion of that has to be dispelled. You cannot have an appropriate sexual relationship that is apart from God and your lawful spouse. Your fulfillment sexually is to be found only in God's provision 
Anything else has to be considered poaching. Masturbation, pornography, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and pedophilia, and every conceivable form of sexual uncleanness is robbery. It is only wickedness. The sins of sexual perversion are not only personal and private, but they are heinous acts of treachery against the God who created it and those we commit those acts with. It is unloving to have sex with your girlfriend. Its consequences are far-reaching. It creates shame and guilt and destroys trust. It defrauds your partner, your future spouse, and the future spouse of your accomplices. In Christ, you are freed from the enslavement of sin and its passions. You can be sexually pure. You must also reject the lie that Christians are unable to have victory over their lusts. This gives background to the enemy that our king has won and redeemed. Walk in the victory of Christ. He conquered your sin. If you are unmarried, you are to be in a long-term fasting state in the realm of sexual pleasure. You fast now that you might feast later. For married couples, you too fast, but only intermittently. You are mostly in a fasted state until you are able to come together and keep the feast. The fasting discipline in singleness will serve you well in married life. Husband and wife get to fare sumptuously and regularly. They do so without shame, fear, or guilt and they have the blessing of God. They are satisfied with joy and hope. They are secure in the love of God and secure in their love with one another. They are both in the throes of passion and covenant renewal. They enter into this intimacy with gladness and thanksgiving. They rejoice in God's provision of a spouse and remember that day when they entered into covenant with God and each other. Any alternative does not have the blessing of God. And in fact, very soberly, it's terrifying to consider, it invites his chastening. The transgressors of the king's decree suffer real consequences. If you have ever fasted for any length of time, you know how difficult it is, particularly in the beginning. Bad appetites must be completely starved. How will your results in this fasting endeavor measure up? If during your appointed fast, you stare at the feast being prepared for another. If you put yourself in the kitchen with the sights and you smell the aromas 
you will most certainly be tempted to taste. You have to believe the king's provision is better than the cotton candy you can acquire on your own. Friends, as a pastor, I'm sure that sexual impurity debases your redeemed humanity. Put it to death so that your sexual life can be resurrected in newness and obedience with all the attendant blessings he intends. If you have been sinning in this area, repent. And it must be pointed out that we have far too long made excuses of why we can't repent. We view this as too hard. It is impossible to control our passions. We've been led to believe that this is natural and normal. It may be natural and normal for the poachers, but it shouldn't be natural and normal for us. And in fact, it should be very abnormal. Our king loves to forgive, rebuild, and restore. Resolve today to be pure and to provide no quarter for the enemy in this area. The Lord in his kindness to provide companionship for us has also ordained that this is the mechanism for the conception of children. And following this rubric, there is never a such thing as an unwanted pregnancy because children come from marriages. We welcome any children the Lord gives. When doing this right, we get the privilege of filling with little feet the socks that we have knitted. The King's Way supplies purpose, pleasure, and posterity. Privatized, self-serving sexuality is one trademark of the poachers on the King's land. You are nobility, royals in the king's house. He has provided a more excellent way. In the days ahead, this particular episode will make more sense as it fits into this larger section. You'll remember in episode one, we recognize the crown rights of King Jesus over our individual lives, over our families, over his church, and over the state. Today, this issue of sexuality touches all four of those spheres and areas of God's governance. Each of them is dramatically affected by its results. It all starts with you. Will you individually resolve to be pure sexually? Will you excise, mortify, cut off whatever is in your life that is contrary to the king's law? Will you be patient and content with your station Will you wait on the Lord as he prepares your feast? Are you praying now if you're single for a godly spouse? 
If you're in a difficult marriage, are you today praying for your husband and your wife? Are you asking the Lord to bless the covenantal union that you entered into? Churches, are you tolerating sexual immorality among your members? Call them to repentance that they might be set free from that bondage. And finally, does any of this craziness happen in the state? Do we even consider homosexual marriage as a possibility? How about transgenderism? How about the growing movement to accept pedophilia as a legitimate form of sexual expression? None of these things are a possibility if we do things the way our God intended. I pray tonight that your thoughts about sexuality will be conformed more closely to Scripture and that God would bless you richly in that pursuit. Until next time, I'm Christopher Breno, and this is The King's Land.